Welcome all and thank you for tuning in to the Battle on Breaks FC podcast, the podcast focusing all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the U.S. My name is Jose Obanya, sports writer for the Sports Pulse, and joining me as always, the co-host of this marvelous show, Mario Maya from the Tempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. First off, I want to wish a shout. I want to give a shout out to all the mothers in the world because you know it's Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day, and second, happy birthday to Hernan Losada. We'll get to Hernan in a second, but yes, happy Mother's Day to everyone, or post Mother's Day for some of you, and new Mother's Day if you're international, and your Mother's Day lands on another time, unlike us here in the United States. But we are here to talk about. Saturday's match between DC United and the Columbus crew, a back and forth affair, especially early on. Uh, but United, before even the match, United had issues concerning injuries. We'll get to the full discussion about the injuries in a second as it's gotten a little bigger. As before the game, Joseph Mora went down with an injury and Adrian Perez had to step in in the midfield. That is striker Adrian Perez. United did not have a slow start this week, but it wasn't able to find the back of the net, but Lucas Salarian of Columbus did, hitting a curling 25-yard free kick to have a one-goal lead. United would get a goal back thanks to the returning Ola Kamara, but two own goals would do United in as United would lose 3-1 against Columbus at Columbus. Before we get to any of the particulars in the match, Mario, what were your thoughts on the match overall? Man, own goal again, ready to put up career numbers this year, as I see. Uh, I think DC United played well, given all the circumstances that have gone on with the team when it comes to injuries. I think they've held up their own. Uh, they played really well to begin. They had a fast start this time, something you didn't see in the first three games of the season. But unfortunately, you know... Columbus, being the reigning defending MLS Cup champions, were able to exploit them in certain facets of the game and capitalize on whatever scoring opportunities they had. And I'm just going to go out and say it. Lucas Celarayan has to be one of the most uh, player that you could say you get your bang out of your buck for if you're Columbus. Highest paid player in Columbus, uh, Columbus crew history, if I'm not mistaken or highest transfer fee, and he's working out gangbusters, and quite frankly, that was just a great free-kick goal. But unfortunate for DC United, they weren't able to get a much more positive result out of this game at historic Crew Stadium. Yeah, that will be DC United's last appearance at historic Crew Stadium. Uh, I say that with large quotation quotes. It's Crew Stadium. Like, what's the point? Um, but, I mean, yeah, United dominated in terms of overall shots, 11 to 9. Shots on target were 2 and 3, but that's because they kept hitting it over the bar. In the first half alone, they had five shots that went over the bar or went to the side netting. It was insane to watch that first half and see how many opportunities. Uh, One of those uh, shots ended up in the campus of Ohio State University. Yeah, I mean, for me, I felt that for me, I felt that Flores had his best game outside of not scoring for United. I think it was overly active. Hernan Losada mentioned, you know, putting him more in that center, center attacking midfielder role underneath. Uh, whoever was the main striker as part of that 3-4-3 uh, three, three formation he's trying to implement. And 
I think it worked for his benefit. And Assad still played, you know, was still good on the day. I think he was he was excellent in terms of his distribution. He was in action. That first 45, you know, if United scores one of those five shots that don't go over the bar on the side netting, if they actually convert that, make it a shot on target, or maybe even score it, I think we're talking of a different game. But last, here we are. Uh, undermanned DC United team that only took 16 players to Columbus, unable to find a result. And it, you can tell that it started to it started to bother Hernan in the press conference about the subs. But one thing he did make it clear is that, you know, the defense is getting there, they're playing better, and the goals slightly are on them, though. Right, and especially considering that you gave up two own goals in the second half. One off of Frederick Briant, the other one off of Tony Alfaro. Uh, yeah, they're getting better, but you're still conceding goals, so you still got to work around. You still got way a little ways to go when it comes to the defensive shape of the team and just pretty much figuring out what your strengths are and just working working on them, working uh just working on the de- on the defensive cohesion in general. The cohesion's finally there. It's just, you know, you gotta see, you gotta tie it all together. It's like a, it's like a pizza. You got the ingredients, but you need to bring them all together to bring to make them into one beautiful big pie. And you just need to leave it in the oven, just in time for it to come, mwah, to come out perfect. Again, that was a horrible analogy. And if you're hungry, I apologize. Uh. But yeah, it, it's a. I think to to the team's benefit, they were able to to pretty much keep a defensive shape, especially with the first fifteen minutes of the first half where they didn't concede a goal. Because if you don't, if you remember, it was in those fir- in the first fifteen minutes of the game where DC United would have uh, troubles and trouble and have those slow starts, which wasn't the case this time. But yeah, I think not having certain defensive uh, pieces due to injury is kind of has hampered the defense a little bit. But I think little by little they will get they will get it right defensively, and I'm pretty sure. And we've mentioned this before: the team's bought into Hernan Losada's system. It's just kind of just bringing it together at this point. But slowly but surely, especially considering how this game was kind of looking for them in certain instances. Yeah, you could definitely see that that it's that it's getting through to the players a little more as each game goes by. Yeah, and 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 I think the, a lot of the own goal problems is, you know, coming into the season we talked about it. United so used to having a four back system, and now you're having this three back situation where you're going to stretch out a little bit the center backs. And you're trusting a lot on those wing backs to come back and play defensively. So a lot of these own goals are coming from crosses that are whipped in, unmarked crosses, mind you, being whipped in. And the center backs are trying to rush back to cover those spaces. And so what ends up happening is they, they, they're rushing back, they're not paying attention, and then they end up getting bounced off the leg, bounced off the thigh, bounced off, and then the keeper's late to react. I'm here to argue that, yes, while the defense needs to get pay attention a little bit on the ball 
I still have to say, criticize. You got to pay attention when you should come out. Like we used to criticize Bill Hamid a little bit. Is he coming out too much? Is he? Does he really need to yell at his defender to move because he's going to go get the ball? But I'll take that. I'd rather have Bill Hamid's over aggressiveness to criticize what it looks like from our vantage point. Very timid reaction to crosses whipped into the box. He needs to come out a little more, be a little bit more aggressive, and be on his toes. I felt like on the free kick especially, he left a little too much room on the right-hand side of his net and it left enough space for Zalayang to hit it over the wall. Per- he had to hit it perfectly, obviously, but he hit it enough that if you were standing right on the middle, like you're, you know, a lot of these keepers try to cheat and cover just that right post as the defense, as the, the left post, while the defense puts their wall on the right. I think if he had focused on being more on the middle, like, you know, would normally be in the middle because he has that height advantage. I feel like if he, if Sites tried to focus a little bit more on being in the middle, he would have been able to save that. But I, I just want him to be more aggressive, and maybe that's just you know us being used to having Bill and me back there. But I felt like there was just a lack of aggression from his part, uh, being the main man in the back. Right, and I think one of the other things, and it comes, I, I'm this is kind of going to sound like nitpicking, and it kind of is. I feel like Emil aside or anybody else should never give up those kinds of fouls against Columbus in the area where Lucas Celarayan took the free kick because Lucas Celarayan rare, rarely will miss from that kind of an angle, from that kind of a position when taking a free kick. It was demonstrated his time in Liga MX. It's been demonstrated in MLS. And so you can't concede silly fouls in certain positions where you know that if the team had, if your opponent has the right set piece or free kick taker, nine times out of 10, that's going to be a goal. Or if not, a really good goal scoring opportunity because they will take advantage of it. And unfortunately, you know, they, they gave up that opportunity. When it comes to Chris Seitz on goal, on goal, yeah, I agree with you. You have to be a little more aggressive. you got to do- be a little more of a dominant presence when you're in the inside inside your own area. You got to be assertive with it. And again, it comes to being like you said, being that we've grown accustomed to seeing Bill Hamid, who's very you know very aggressive, very assertive, yelling at his defenders to be in positions to get to the ball at all times. I think you need that a little more. You got to communicate that to your defenders, and that kind of leads to the own goals a little bit in a way as well. So. All in all, it was uh, especially in the first goal, is a combination of you should have been a little more in the middle, but you decided to be in the one side of the goal instead of just, you know, thinking with, with putting your head in a swivel of sorts, putting your putting your wall in a certain area, and just having the free kick taker being that good with taking a free kick. So all in all, I think, yeah, Chris Seitz needs to be a little more assertive and a little more aggressive in getting his defenders to or putting his defenders in positions to succeed to getting towards the ball. And also you got to have a little more field awareness if you're if you're trying to defend. And also wing I think the wing the wingers need to track back a little more as well. Cuz that kind of hurts you in the long run as well and kind of affects how how you end up conceding some uh, conceding own goals. 
Exactly, exactly. But let's get to Hernandez's thoughts on the defense and where they're at and his thoughts on conceding early goals. Yes, of course, I'm concerned um, because we concede stupid goals. And when you play against an opponent like Columbus, you, you can make mistakes like the ones we, we make. Sometimes it's about communication. Sometimes it's about position. Uh, but once again, how can I complain about guys who, who came uh, during preseason actually to, to help us as an extra wheel and not as, as real starters? And they are doing this from game, game one and they are doing it uh, in between their possibilities uh, better than what we expected. So um, this is what we have right now uh, and we need to go forward and we need to stay positive and together knowing that uh, we have four more games before the break and the break will help us to 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 have those automatics that maybe Stephen was uh, uh, was talking on, on his first question and on the meantime trying to do the best what we have what we can with what we have that is Hernan Losada with his thoughts um i do agree andy did bring something off the bench he was he was he came in uh, playing for that that uh, in the left back position, in the left center back position, and I thought he played well. Um, yes, you guys are going to get me to say it. I thought Ola Kamara was a present, and his goal was well. It was at a time where United really did think they could come back and win it, and I thought he came through in spades. I thought he was a, you know, Kamani uh, Smith was the starter. He did okay, you know, it's his first professional game, uh, but didn't do much to influence the attack. It was more Flores dominating uh, with Assad and Moses Nyman. He, you know, we didn't play it there, but Coach mentioned earlier in that press conference that he believes Moses has been the best player on the team thus far this season. So hats off to him, but... Um, yeah, I, I thought Ola Kamara did a good job to get that goal. It, made, it swung momentum for three minutes before <laughs> before the next own goal. Yeah, I think Ola Kamara was a needed presence coming off the bench, and I think he he played pretty well coming off the bench. Uh, it's the attacking presence that was needed. I know Jose hated admitting that Ola Kamara did well, but... Yeah, it had to be said. He did pretty well coming off the bench. I think uh, Smith had a pretty decent game, all, thing all things considering. Again, it's his first MLS game. I didn't expect him to, you know, play at, to play the best game of his life. But defensively, I think Andy Nahar did really well. And he played about 60, 60, 65 minutes just about. And he had a really solid performance. And again, it's comes down to Andy Nohar is pretty familiar with the role. He played it before with DC United, but he played more of a right back instead of playing le a left center back. But he did well, and he, he was able to adapt. I think outside of the own goal, Tony Alfaro in the first three games of the season has been kind of a revelation. Again, considering all the injuries that have come that have come up. And Orlando Sada did mention it. That he is that he is proud of players stepping up, players that aren't supposed to be starters, but have stepped up to the starting roles. And I think Tony Alfaro is one of those players. He has stepped up to the plate in a big way. Again, 
Yes, he scored an own goal, but that happens to the best defenders in the world. So I'm not going to hold that against him. But he played. He has played pretty well, and has made a pretty formidable center back pairing with Fred with uh, Fred Briant. Yeah, most definitely, and Briant has performed well. When you know, two years ago, I think he was dead to rights to be replaced by. Uh, Donovan Pines, but because Pines has been dealing with injuries the past season and a half, Brianna's had the opportunity to keep his job, and not for nothing, he's taken advantage of it. He's obviously taken a more leadership role, um, took a more of a leadership role on the team since coming, uh, since the year and a half, and with, with Birnbaum out with his own injury concerns. That's what's ended up happening. And so, yeah, I'm glad to see guys step up. But, I mean, we have to talk about it now, I guess. There's a lot of injuries. Here's the injury list that's concerning for not just fans of D.C. United, but just in general, D.C. United. The injury list, it's pretty long, so bear with me on this one. Um, Welcome to D.C. General Hospital, man. Yeah, Bill Hamid, Steve Birnbaum, Donovan Pines. Not before the game on Friday, Brendan Hines Ike was added due to an eye injury. We still don't know how that injury was caused. We just know it's an eye injury. He showed the lovely shiner on Instagram, so we knew that he wasn't going to be around. Thanks to that. Um, Those are the consequences of sparring with Canelo Alvarez, man. Apparently, uh, Russell Canals is still out. Um, Chris Adui adds him. Jacob Green, Kevin Paredes, uh, Griffin Yao, Paul Riola, uh, Jordi Reyna, Nigel Roberta, and Eric Sorga. Now, from what we understand, um, in his pre-game availability, uh, Hernando Salas said the two that seem likely to come back the fastest for United within the next two games is Pariol and Bill Hamid, but we that's we still have to wait and see on them. Uh, Eric Sorga was a new addition midweek, and it once we found out about all this, we're like, well, how bad can this injury situation be? Well, the Washington Post dropped the story <laughs> right oh, before oh, the oh. game, <laughs> right before the game, claiming that it. You know, revealing a couple of things that we already knew. You know, Hernan had already said he felt that the team came overweight. We've talked about that and that he's not changing his workouts regimen. Um, to that end, according to the Washington Post, a person close to the situation who did not want to be identified because he was not authorized to speak on about the matters on the team described the workouts as survival of the fittest, unquote. Losada had an <laughs> I mean, Mario, do you want to take over here? I mean, we had to translate it together, but I think, you know, what Losada's response was on Saturday after the Columbus game, I feel So, Hernan Losada's facial expression, if you want a visual on how he answered this question. Well, let's let's build up. Golf is always the – Stephen Golf from the Washington Post is always the first to ask questions in the post-game press conference. And he asked this first question, and immediately Hernan was like, I am not going to talk about injuries. Those That's off-the-field issues we are talking about on the field. Those people are still missing, yes. And then he went off with the second part of God's question. 
<laughs> no, answering the question, uh, answering, answering with the fury of a thousand suns. Yeah, answering and, a separate question. This is a separate question. It's a from separate question. From a Hispanic reporter who was asking, what are the keys for this team? How big of a key are those key players to your team? That was the question. And so Hernan Lozada in Spanish, and we got the tr we translated it, said, and I quote, patience, patience, and continuing to work is going to be key. Just like we have been doing, I was reading that some people were upset by the way we have been training. This team has trained 70 to 80 minutes a session. Uh, at most, we have never trained more than 90 minutes or two hours a day. It is simply a consequence of other factors that is a play that is playing a role at this moment in time. At this moment, I am not deterred from continuing the route that we have that we are on at the moment. Road games are always the hardest, but we completely sincere, completely sincere with you with you. With all the options we had available for us, for us for these first matches, I have not seen a rival that has overly been better than, than us. The result shows something different, but during the game, I have not seen any time that I can honestly say they are better than us. And that, and that at this time, when these are complete teams, in this case, these were last year's champions, and they have everyone available. I cannot imagine what progress we can have until we get a couple of our important guys back. All I'm missing now is mentioning their names. It's those key players that every team has that can make a difference. We don't have ours at the moment. We miss them, and we don't have them. Unquote. And if you're wondering... I may have butchered that here or there with the quote. I apologize. <laughs> That's fine. Um, that was Hernan responding to the question. And the question was, what is the keys to building up from not just this loss, but missing players and everything going on with the team? And, you know, the key thing here was he really did respond to that survival that his comment with, you know, 80-minute, 70 80 minute sessions at the most we never train past 90 minutes or two hours a day like he was very specific and i remember just hearing that immediately going to where we work on our word doc um for this podcast and going oh my god <laughs> he let out a pop and i didn't know what it was related about until catching up on the reading um i love coaches who fight back with the media but not like you know, angrily, like angry back and forth. It's all right. This is what you wrote. I don't know who's leaking stuff out to you, but let me respond to that. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna and I will deal this. with the person that's leaking out this information <laughs> handily, mostly with a chokehold. But it was good that in that same press availability that we had this week before the game, that we actually had a couple of players respond, you know, just about the practice regimen. First up, we have Julian Grussell, when eh, I don't think he helps with the situation with his response, but here's Julian. Uh, it's certainly been a busy, busy time for our uh, medical staff. <laughs> so it's a lot of coordinating, but, you know, all, all we do is, is focus on, on the sessions that we have together that, you know, Hernan puts together for the guys that are fully in training, that, that can play and that can part participate on the weekend. 
Um, and that's been good, you know. I think we've said it last week. I think the preparation has been been good every week. To be honest with you, we've um, we've uh, been able to to train harder on a couple of days and then get you know some some day, a couple of days before the game get get those days almost off. Like you know where you have lighter sessions again to recover for the game. So um, it's obviously changed a bit from last year. So guys might still get used to that uh, that change a bit, but um, overall it's been it's been good for in, in my opinion. So that's really Gressel. That's again, great answer. It gives us a little bit more insight that players are getting off days, things of that nature. Also, doesn't help when you say it seems like everybody's in the, you know, our medical team is having fun these days. Um, <laughs> it's not helpful there. But <laughs> poor medical team's being overworked. And then once they once they saw Brandon Hines Ike and uh, and Joseph Moore got added to the list, they're like, oh no, more work. Right. Speaking of Brendan Hines, like, this is his response to concerns about, you know, how the team is adapting to Hernan's workout regimen. I mean, there's definitely an adjustment period, which is still taking place. And that's maybe taking a little bit longer than, than Hernan had expected. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's just the way that he's asking his players uh, to be ready. And that's the demand that he's he's calling upon for us. So, you know, Yes, it's not it's not easy right now with with the injuries we have, and it makes the, the roster smaller and smaller each week. Uh, but we do have a lot of guys coming back, hopefully soon, which which will be a big boost for for our team, for our club. But um, you know, the most important thing I think for right now for the guys that are consistently playing is to find a rhythm of not being able to do too much extra, uh, but then also being able to keep up with with the demands of the practice. And by that I mean that. We don't need the guys that are playing a bunch of extra minutes to be now trying to get to a point where they have to be at their peak right now. Because if we drop out with them, you know, at this moment, we have even less players. So I think with with the concern we have with all the injuries, we have to make sure that the guys that are still fit and healthy, that they stay fit and healthy. That's That's the main principle, I think, that the coach is focusing on right now. And once the group can get back to to a stronger number then we can continue to push forward with getting to to the peak fitness and and the demand that that i know that he wants us the area that he wants us to be in in terms of fitness and, and playing style that's brendan heinz ike on you know the injury situation with dc hearing all of this now mario what are your thoughts you know how concerned should fans be about this injury situation? The club has lost already a couple of matches so far we're only four games in but how concerned should we be Okay, for the people that are going nuclear about this whole situation, you need to relax. Again, I think we, I think I regurgitated this already. It's a process, and unfortunately, you know, you catch some bad breaks in this process. You should be there. Should be some room for concern, obviously, because you have players dropping left and right with injuries, uh, rightfully so. But I think going three, four games into the season, I don't think is a time that you need to worry about how the team's performing. I think they performed well given the circumstances, but I think aiming towards the first big international break you get in June will be important by having by gaining gaining some players back and then gaining some players back and keeping the team as healthy as humanly possible and then once you get into that international break, you're going to gain more players back. So I I wouldn't worry necessarily, but 
I would keep out a little more of an eye uh, an eye out for what's going on if the team can if the injury if the injury problems continue to persist and possibly and most likely possibly get a get a hand of a couple players at Loudon United. Yeah, maybe maybe getting a couple more players from Loudon, you know, uh, I want to say one of the guys from Black and Red uh, tweeted out, you know, maybe they have to go get an emergency player, player of relief, which is a player that teams are allowed to sign uh, when there's a persistent injury problem. Once you get down to less than 16 players, um, you're allowed to sign one player or two, depending on what the concerns are and when your likelihood is to get more guys back. Um, you sign them for, you know, a 10-day, 20-day contract, and they fill in role where they're either a bench player or, you know, some teams, I clearly remember in the past, DC United being one of those teams starting or playing those guys, and then they end up getting considerable minutes because of so many injuries. Um, so you normally uh, you see that in MLS with, like, goalkeeping, but Mario, you got more info? Uh, so the person that actually tweeted out from black and red was Ryan Kiefer. Right, exactly. So it's it's just, you know, we've seen it used mainly more in the past, less in this Tam Gam era of soccer in MLS because a lot, you know, MLS has expanded their rosters. A lot of guys get picked up from the USL, the academies. This is kind of like the very first time we've seen maybe you can, we may see a team go to this route, but I'm not surprised. I think, you know, we heard Hernan say multiple times he felt that the team became over, got overweight during the offseason. We've kind of discussed it, you know, the, the lateness of hiring Hernan or whoever was going to replace Ben Olsen did have an effect. It clearly did because any workout regimen this coach would have wanted was not given. Uh, it's, it would have been totally different, I think, if Hernan would have been hired, let's say, in November or December when it was rumored that they were going to hire somebody else. Whoever the coach was, if it would have been hired, I think they would have loved to have a workout plan uh, prepared and established for these guys, even though they're professionals and they're maintaining weight. If, let's say, you do hire Hernan in, let's say, December, and he tells you, hey, holiday's coming up. I understand you guys are excited, but I need y'all to keep up your fitness. Like, get a treadmill if you don't have it. Like, run in your park, local parks if you can. Like, I need y'all to come to preseason fit. And remember, preseason was slightly delayed. So you have a late hire. You have bad communication to start. Then you had a couple of guys go under the knife in terms of Bill Hamid and um, – Embry and Birnbaum go under the knife and have surgeries late. You feel like a lot of this delay of the hire caused a, a tumble effect. And you see it now popping up and hamstrings are gone. A lot of these are wear and tear issues from last year, but a lot of them are also a combined element of poor workout regimen, poor treatment in the offseason, and not getting used to Hernan's system earlier than February. Right. And I think that that plays a major role. Uh, if you would have hired Hernan Losada back in December, I think you wouldn't have, like you said, we wouldn't have, the, DC United wouldn't have these many issues where it comes to injuries. But not get, not 
probably not keeping up with the proper fitness levels to stay fit and active when the uh, when the coaching hire was still going on, and probably the delayed preseason does, was a detriment to the uh, to keeping the fitness levels of the team going uh, of the of the team up, and that's why you're seeing so many injuries. But also, like you said, they, like if you knew that Steve Birnbaum and Bill Hamid needed to go under the knife and get surgeries, you should have done this in a timely manner. doesn't matter if you didn't have a coach at the time. You get this done in a timely manner a few weeks after the season ended, ends, and then you would have them ready to go by around preseason, and they would be, and they would be key instruments going into the season into the season they'd be game they'd be uh, game fit and game ready but that wasn't the case and so right now yeah it, it goes to sh- it goes to show that fitness is important doesn't matter who the coach is at the time or what what's going on because at the end of the day you you can avoid situations like this but at the same time I'm also not going to not going to hold it against the players to an extent because I know it's kind of tough it's kind of tough dealing with a kind with a kind of situation where there's so many injuries going on at the same time so all, all in all yeah it's a really difficult situation to deal with at the moment but you are right this could have been handled a little bit differently right uh, maybe this is more for you you know as we inch closer to the first international break of the season you know that's for we're talking about a month away. United's going to have two weeks off. How much do you think that's going to help in terms of getting players back and helping the depth in the long run? You know, before you even answer, I think clearly it's going to help all our younger players that clearly weren't used to this. Like I could see Kevin Paredes back by the summer, Griffin Yao back in the summer. Those guys, they're young. They should have been able to deal with these injuries, but well, they should have been able to deal with, like, you know, the high fitness. But if they weren't able to and they got, you know, injuries, yeah, Kevin was dealing with something from last year. But Griffin was pretty healthy the whole year last year. So his is more likely, like, a muscle issue of the training. So, you know, to have the, even just those two back after the break would be excellent. And, you know, Roberta, he's having a muscle issue, and we want to see him back. So I think any break where the team doesn't lose more results will be helpful. Right, and it especially will accelerate the uh, the recovery process, I think, for, uh, for a good chunk of these players, especially the players that are closer to getting back. Like, not only do you will you have them – will you have them ready by then? It'll help because – it'll diminish the impact and you'll have a little more depth moving forward in the short term. And in the long term, you know that you, with the players that you see now, you could also use them for depth purposes. If those guys were to able to reclaim their starting spots back. So all in all, I think the international breaks going to help uh, speed up the recovery fa- uh, process a little more for a lot of these players, but will also help because you get a, you get somewhat of like a second Brett, like a second wind under your sails when you get a lot of players back from injury. So it gives you like this new, this like renewed kind of energy moving forward. Exactly, exactly. But um, 
enough DC United talk, in my opinion. There was some breaking news earlier this after, uh, this morning. We are recording this on Sunday. There was some breaking news of a new uh, name to the Sp- Washington Spirit ownership group, and that is Alexander Ovechkin. That is Alexander Ovechkin from the Washington Capitals. So apparently he's been doing more moves uh, with the <laughs> while he's out in injury mode right now. First reported by ESPN, he, uh, the cap star will become an investor on the with the Washington Spirit. Um, there will be a press conference later um, this week confirming the news. Um, Ovechkin said in a statement to ESPN in an interview, quote, he was inspired by his mother, who was also a two-time Olympic gold medal winning basketball player. And he said that his mother taught him, quote, it does not matter if you're a man or a woman, you should be able to chase your goals and dreams as a professional athlete, unquote. He said he wanted to support women's athletics, not just in the United States, but all over the world. It was important for him to support the D.C. community. And him and his wife would love love to go watch the soccer game, football, basketball, baseball. He wants to see us all win, unquote. Um, the Spirit have also responded to that. You know, they got a cool the ESPN spoke to Tori Hustle Houston as well as uh, the brass over at the Spirit. Just some details for those who are not sure. So the primary owners will still be uh, Steve Baldwin, um, Michelle Kang, and Bill Lynch. Those are still going to be the three primary owners of the team. But with Ovechkin, he is added. He will be, quote, part of the top half of the new investors. So he's putting in a significant amount of money. Um, uh, he will, like I said, be he will be joined by Michelle Freeman, who is a minority partner of Monumental Sports Entertainment, who own the Capitals, Wizards, and Mystics, and Paxton Baker, uh, who is a minority owner of the Nationals. Um, Mario, before we get more into the nitty-gritty slash reason behind all this, you know, what's your thoughts on hearing a D.C. athlete now investing in a D.C. sports team like the Spirit? That's huge because that means he is really invested with the, in the D.C. area in general. Also, the other two questions I really have is, A, will he teach Trinity Rodman his ways on how to, pro- on how to shoot a puck? Like shooting the ball, and she'll have her own off or own space of the of the of the sixteen yard of the twenty of of the of the box called the office. And will they show the Washington Spirit how to properly celebrate a cha- how to properly have a championship bender? If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. Uh, look up Capitals championship bender. It was amazing. Uh, but I'm being distracted here. I think it's I think it's great because it shows that he wants to not only invest in DC sports, but he wants to invest in the in the sports community in the area at, at in general. Because being that he's been such a, a sports fixture for a long time in this in the DC area, being the captain of the Washington Capitals, essentially being the entirety of being the face of the Washington Capitals for 16 plus years. It it shows that he wants to kind of give back, but also he's invested in other sports in, and people, what don't some people don't know as well in the piece, 
he mentions his father also played soccer. So there, there is a connection there between him and the sport. But I think it's pretty awesome just to see a local athlete say, yeah, I want, I would love to invest in, in my local women's soccer team. Cause that would just, sh- that shows the vetted interest that people that he has in promote in promoting the sport in, in large in, in the DC area. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see him uh, become another name. Like we had a Clinton, we have a Bush. And now we got a Russian. We got a Russian. All we're missing is an Obama daughter. And I think we got the whole set of what you need in order for this team to go. Um, You know, for those who don't keep up with the team that often, during the offseason, one of the principal owners, Steve Baldwin, sold told the athletic he wants the NWSL to become a more world-renowned league, but he wants his spirit team to be the best in the world. To do that, you're going to have to spend. (laughs) And and adding more money to your team means everything. And I think even if it's just Ovechkin and minority owners from both Monumental and the Nationals, I think you're adding more money adding more value you're bringing more of the local in it i think that's what's kind of sometimes missing from the spirit that they're playing in montgomery county they're playing in loudon what makes them dc i think that bringing on someone from not just a Betchkin, but adding you know these two people from monumental and the nationals go okay, you want to reach out to more people? Maybe we can help out with ads. Maybe we can help out with attention. Because I will say, sometimes it's very hard to get the spirit on the, in the newsstands and getting them into more news attention, getting them to have, you know, ads everywhere. You know, more attention is always appreciated, and especially in the women's soccer space, it's always, you know, there's more out there. And, you know, this team is really good. And so people should be watching this team. And, you know, you and I were talking off air. Now that they have more local stake in this, you're DC United. You're looking at it and you're going, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. You might have to add more more spirit games onto the Audi Field calendar because they're going to push harder now than ever before to play more games in DC. They're going to want to work together with monumental work together with the Nationals, which DC and I already does work together with the Nationals, but now you're going to have even a more integral part of our sport landscape here in the city. So, it's good in all fronts. Uh, I want to see more combinations. I have yet to see, funny enough, just the Mystics and the Spirit trade jerseys. Like, that's our two women's teams right there. They should be able to work together. And so hopefully, like, this partnership, yes, Ovechkin's world famous. It'd be great if Ovechkin becomes this new Russian oligarch that owns soccer teams all over the place. Sure. But <laughs> I think that in terms of the localness of it, I hope it brings a bond monumental to go, hey, let's do some more partnerships with this side now that we have not just – a small minority owner with the spirit, but we also have Alex. And heck, if he could send teach T- Tiffany Rahman how to handle a puck, I think it would be awesome to see if Ovechkin can make a shot on a goal. 
Uh, and lastly, <laughs> if you're a DC United fan, you know Ovechkin loves soccer. He went to a couple of matches last year, uh, two years ago. And let me tell you something. Uh, I was working security for the man. The man is freaking tall, and he's a present. And if you'd missed out, he loves going to soccer games. Funny enough, I've met the man before, and I could, I could, I could second that. He is pretty damn tall. Uh, <laughs> this is from my working retail day, days. I'm not going to say where, but I've met him before because he entered the store I was working at. But anyway, yeah, this is cool. It also sets a precedent, like giving other star athletes in the DC area, like, hey, if Alex Ovechkin can invest in a local sports team, why can't I? You know, it, it brings more of that interest for, like, say, for example, uh, for example, Chase Young from the Washington football team. If he wants to invest in, say, D.C. United, it, it gives him that idea. Uh, but it, it also, like, it, it helps because it's a, it's a local athlete helping local team, like, just being invested in, in your local teams. And I think, and bringing a light to them. Because, because, again, Alex Ovechkin's a pretty big deal in this area. The Spirit are already becoming a big deal in this area. So you combine the two together, they become even a more bigger deal, a bit a more bigger deal, if, if you catch my drift here. So all in all, I think it's really cool. I think that more athletes or star athletes should invest in teams. And, hey, Nicholas Backstrom, while you're at it, yo, you want to invest in DC United, you know? Just to like, just to fall in the footsteps of your boy Ovi. I think let's get DC United healthy, then we'll talk about adding <laughs> ownership. But I do overall, I do think that it's a good thing. It's a good thing, more local money. And again, like I said, I think it's just gonna the focus is gonna be Alex, but it's gonna be I'd watch for the attention the other two people bring because more collaboration. It means more business, means more attention. And I don't know about you, but if you're the NWSL and let's say Spirit get more attention, I think that's just great. If the Spirit sells out Audi Field for, let's say, a playoff game and you have it set up where the final is going to be, heck, you know you can always have the final at Audi Field. So, True. And also, you know, this whole becoming the best team in the world idea from uh, from Baldwin. I like how this is going and how it's coming to fruition. Yep. All they got to do now is play games and win, but we'll see the season to the start to the... As we baby get steps, baby steps. Win baby first. <laughs> exactly. I like the direction. Exactly, but they have the roster, so we'll see when the season starts later this month. But that's enough for us today, so... Before we end today's episode, Mario, tell the people where they can find more about you. All right. If you want to see what I'm working on man, <laughs> at, this, at this moment in time, or if you want to look at shirt ideas I have from uh, by putting the, by putting quotes of famous TV shows like, where is the lamb sauce from Hell's Kitchen? You can follow me on Twitter at MarioMaya1. If you want to follow El Tiempo Latino, you can also do that on Twitter. You can follow them at El Tiempo Latino. You want to read all the happenings that's going on in the world, in politics, or just what's going on in the DMV? You can visit their website, adultiempolatino.com. 
And if you want to put more money in my pocket so I can buy an Alex Ovechkin jersey, man, go to your local newsstands or metro station and get yourself a, a hard copy of the newspaper for El Tiempo Latino today. Yes, we want to hear about an episode of five, ten years ago of Hell's Kitchen from you now. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore Emma underscore Wanda for more. Special shout out as always to Kevin McLeod and Potem for the intro of music. Remember, rate and subscribe as always on Anchor, Spotify, all your audio platforms, or go to the sports post once a week to get catch up to your daily, weekly episodes of the Bad Hombres FC podcast. We're still trying to figure out what we're going to do for next week. Mario will be out of town. But uh, stay tuned to our Twitter accounts for more information about it. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you soon. Adios. Adios.